Like me, Lusitan believes healthy skin is the first step to a beautiful, natural tan. After 17 years working in the beauty and skincare industry, sisters Leah, Lindsay and Sarah knew their mission when they started creating a skin health tanning brand. As new moms, they realized the importance of fewer chemicals, more nutrients and antioxidants like vitamin A and E, as well as comprising a ritual application process that took the stress, stickiness and nasty smells out of our faux glow experience. They have even created the Bloom Collection, especially for our blooming mamas. We salute you, ladies. If you want to find the perfect tanning product for you, head to luso.com and take a five-minute quiz, or better still, request a Luso spray tan in your local beauty salon. Thank you so much to all the team at Luso for bringing you today's episode of Skin Deep by Karina Tolan. You're very welcome to today's episode of Skin Deep by Karina Tolan. I have with me today, Mr. David Alpert. David um, and his wife, Tracy, co-created the International Institute for Active Aging and created Advanced Nutrition Program, a skin-focused food supplement that has literally changed the lives of many of my clients. David is a passionate diver and marine photographer, and this has fueled his dedication to driving environmental change. And that is exactly why I was so eager to have this conversation with him here today. You know, I heard David once say um, how the personal care industry contribute greatly to um, global waste. And instead of like shying away from that, which you would think being in the personal care industry, David wants to shine a bright light on this and has been very active at a government level um, um, campaigning for change within our industry and holding our industry um, accountable. So David, what I want to know today is, and what I want us to talk about is when clients um, purchase from Monica Tolens, which in turn is purchasing from you because we work with so many of your brands and hope to work with many more. Um, what exactly what are they buying into from an environmental perspective? What are they do? How are they helping the, the planet? So firstly, hi Karina, and thanks for inviting me to participate in today's podcast. Um, it, it's an interesting question because I suppose to a degree we really need to look at the background of what's happening in the industry. And then when they're buying into us and our products, um, how are we differing from that? But the problem, the problem is that, you know, we're living in a, in, in a world where it's fast becoming apparent that we're utilizing resources at a rate that's totally unsustainable. Um, and whilst we have certain industries being called out, things like the oil and gas industry, and the clothing industry and the food industry. Um, the personal care industry has seems, seems to have flown totally under the radar. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, it can be quite difficult to live, out, live without your heating in your home, um, running around with no clothes on. Uh, it could be a bit awkward. And, of course, food. Um, so the, whilst these industries that are being called out are, you know, vital for life and, and should be cleaning up the app, um, and I know many of your clients will say that that the the products they use of ours are vital for their lives too. And they may even you know, go I'm very glad and always very excited <laughs> to hear that. You could probably continue to live without your cosmetic products. Um, and yet the packaging um, from the personal care industry is an enormous problem in the world. And just to put that into perspective, um, the personal care industry, so the cosmetic industry, produces 120 billion units of plastic packaging a year. 
And whilst we'd like to think that, you know, recycling uh, is something that's all part of our lives and, and that when we finish utilizing those products, that's where they go, actually research shows that it can be less than 9% of our products get recycled. And in particular, within the industry that we work in, the problem is that many, well, most, frankly, of our products just cannot be recycled. And so they're either going best case to landfill or they're being incinerated or frankly they're just landing up in the environment um i had the awful experience of um you mentioned my passion for for photography um i was at one point on an expedition very close to the north pole and you will be absolutely horrified to to hear or see or consider the number of um, plastic units of personal care packaging that I was picking up in this area where we were above the 80th parallel. So, uh, you know, the 90th parallel is the North Pole. There are very, very, very few people that have ever set foot in that part of the world, and yet it was totally littered with plastic packaging. Some of it from personal care, some of it from the drinks industry, um, yeah, but but definitely wherever you looked, there was plastic waste, and it was absolutely horrific. Yeah, ultimately paying the price. They yeah. are ultimately paying the price up there. That's the area of the world that's suffering. Yeah, yeah. So 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 the interesting thing is, I mean, um, you know, we live in in our cities, and to a large extent, we we kind of um, shield it from what's going on in the real world because we, we live in a, a you know slightly or what one might consider a sanitized environment whereby you know the streets are swept and you know the place is cleaned up and so it's only when you step out into the wilds and when i go on these expeditions that you actually start to see the level of um, destruction that's going on in these environments and the level of waste that is just accumulating out there in space but if one opens one's eyes to it, we, um, uh, I was with the family just uh, in, um, in, in Devon um, over the winter uh, a year or two ago. And the UK regularly holds a competition for the best beach in the UK. And uh, one of the contenders each year, and it's one on occasion or two, is, is, a, is a beach called Woolacombe. It's a beautiful, wild, long stretch of beach. And of course, when you go there in the summer, uh, it's full of people, it gets cleaned up by the council, so you don't see it in its natural state. But because this was the middle of winter, what was absolutely extraordinary was to see the millions and millions and millions of pieces of tiny microplastics that have washed up um, and were lying all over the sand. So you know when you sprinkle your kids uh, sort of cupcakes with those hundreds of thousands, those little colors, that's what the sand looked like. It was just covered in microplastics. So what happens is that when, when, when plastic uh, uh, lands up in the ocean and starts to biodegrade, and this is one of my concerns about people who say that their plastic is biodegradable, what it does is it, is it breaks up into smaller and smaller pieces. And those find their way into the environment. And in some respects, they're actually more harmful than the big pieces. It's easier to collect the big pieces. And the big pieces don't necessarily find their way into the food chain the way the small pieces do. So it's quite unsurprising, actually, that you find that um, WWF uh, come out with a statistic that says uh, that people uh, in the UK are eating, on average, a credit card of plastic a week. Uh, in their food because of all these microplastics finding their way into the food chain. Uh, 
So it's a, you know, we're polluting our environment, and as you as you correctly just pointed out now, in doing so, we're also polluting ourselves. Yeah, and I, again, that kind of fooling people into thinking that they're doing good. Yeah. So so what happens is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, people uh, may think that um, when they buy their, their their cosmetic product and they put it in their recycling, in, uh, that it, that something something uh, positive is going to have going to happen with it. But the irony of it is, and and I can almost say with a large degree of certainty, that cosmetic product is not going to be recycled. A because it's got uh, it's contaminated with leftover product on the inside, and and B because very often, most often than not. Um, it's made up of a number of different components, and once you've got a mixed material like that, it just makes it totally unsuitable for recycling. It was a big eye-opener for me because we at one point invited a, a recycling specialist in, and I lined up all my products um, in front of her um, to find out you know, what happens to them when, when, when they go for recycling. And what was the eye-opener for me is that so few of them, it was just one or two out of a very large batch, would actually be suitable for recycling. The rest would, would have to go to either incineration or landfill. And it was at that point that we took the decision to uh, actually buy back our empty packaging. So you spoke about, you know, when people are coming to engage with you, get your excellent advice on, on, on skincare and then utilize our products, um, we offer the service whereby if they return um, the empty packaging to you, we buy that back. Um, and, uh, and and collect that in so that it doesn't go to landfall, doesn't get incinerated. Yeah, and they can also bring back to their clinics wherever they're purchasing their products from other um, plastics as well, can't they? Yes, yes. So we've opened that up to other people's products as well. Um, we don't pay for other people's products, so we don't actually buy those back because um, I don't know if I can say, can I say we, we pay a pound a unit to, to buy back our own packaging? And um, um, so, but we will collect in other people's. And um, but I'll tell you an interesting story in terms of well, then some of your listeners maybe think, well, what happens next? Because it was entirely our intention once we'd bought back, and we've been doing this for a while now. So I can tell you, we have hundreds of thousands of units of our own packaging and and other people's packaging, which we've collected and aggregated. And the intention was to send this off to a specialist recycling plant that had uh, the ways and means of actually stripping this down, separating off the componentry, and they were going to make these into plastic um, boards for us, you know, the sorts of boards that look like wood. And um, uh, we actually found out that um, a lot of that was, was greenwashing, unfortunately, and that whilst they might be able to Use, use some of it to, to produce um, boards. Uh, what happened is that a lot of it was actually still going to landfill and incineration. So we've held on to that and we've appointed um, somebody, um, a, a young engineer, to look at various other companies that we can work with to find a way of actually repurposing and reutilizing that plastic um, in a non-single-use plastic way. So we're still investigating what to do with it because having paid literally, as I say, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds to get the plastic back in, what we don't want is for that to still end up uh, landfill and incineration. And we're looking at ways and what we could do with that. Now, the problem is that we're a little bit of a lone voice in this space. And I do often speak, in fact, just in next month, I've been invited to speak again at big industry events. I've been asked to speak to 
business leaders, um, both in and outside our industry, where I point out and use my photography to try to raise awareness and show them what's happening out there. Um, but um, uh, unfortunately, I'm not aware of anyone else that is actually doing that and will buy back their packaging and make sure that it doesn't find its way into, into our ecosystems. Well, not that anyone needed another reason to purchase Environ Skincare, but that is huge. And that is huge work for you. It's taken on a massive workload. Even even like you said, it didn't even work out like you had initially planned. So even that's more work. Yeah. Um, so is, is like, what can we do? I know the end user needs to make good decisions, like buying from someone like you, that where there's so much integrity and accountability in place. But is that what you would like to see across the board, to see more... Um, industries within the personal care to, to do likewise. Uh, what what do you foresee happening? What can we do? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing is, um, whilst um, you know we love the fact that people utilize or use Environ and see the benefits of it, and then also the advanced nutrition program, and we can talk about the packaging there because that's a whole different story again. Um, we're not oblivious to to the fact that people will also use many other personal care products. Mm-hmm. And I think as consumers, the best thing that they can do is to start putting pressure on the companies that they're buying from, um, be it their hair care product or any other personal care product, um, to start doing the same. Either they need to be using refillable bottles or they need to be taking back and properly disposing of the empty bottles that they are using or they need to be using non-plastic items. Now... It's very interesting because there is this whole notion of it's an absolute minefield and one can be tied up in in knots endlessly in terms of what uh, uh, um, can be recycled and what can't be recycled. So we we developed our own sort of very crazy idea here in terms of, you know, rather than get tied up in all these knots and try and become specialists on what would be recycled, you know, in Malahide versus, you know, what's being recycled in London what's being uh, versus what's being recycled in Glasgow, for argument's sake, because every council has its own requirements, um, is we, we have something called the drop test. And our drop test is simply if this empty container were to fall in the ocean or to fall in a forest, what would happen to it? Would it biodegrade? you know, in a relatively short space of time, um, and would it pollute the environment? And if it if it wouldn't biodegrade, we buy it back. And if it does, uh, you know, if it does biodegrade, then, then we're happy to leave it, you know, the empty packaging in the hands of the consumer to dispose of responsibly. And that's probably a better example of that is the advanced nutrition program, because in the in in the days when that product was first invented, we we, we had very uh, uh, eye-catching, very fancy outer packaging. It was all plastic, and when we became aware of the problem um, and uh, really wanted to make a substantive difference mm-hmm. to uh, to to our packaging and our our um, environmental footprint footprint. What we did was we switched to cardboard packaging. And um, and you can see that we have a cardboard outer and, and we have a metal base. And we know that if that was to fall in the ocean, that would pretty quickly melt away to something totally insignificant um, and, and the metal base would, would just biodegrade. So 
that's our move um, for uh, the advanced nutrition program. We've been able to do it because it's not a wet product. It's different to it's different to uh, what we're seeing with for something like Environ, which is a wet product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm quite proud of what we've achieved so far uh, with the advanced nutrition program. And in actual fact, over over this year, you're going to see a whole new set of packaging um, that will take us uh, eventually away totally from any plastic at all within their range and make it even easier for people to um, to uh, uh, recycle the products. Um, so whilst we've got more than one um, material here where, where you've got metal and, and cardboard, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be able to move to a single material. Um, and the other thing, so it's a triple win, it's quite exciting, but it just gives you an idea of our mindset and how we're continually looking to push to push the envelope and, and, and improve on things, even though we're already in a good place there, um, is that the new packaging uh, we've shown in our stability tests um, uh, improves the, uh, the stability of the products even further. So not only are we protecting the products better, because that, of course, is one of the biggest problems when it comes to packaging food um, in something uh, other than plastic. Um, so it's the stability is improved and um, and of course the uh, environmental credentials of the packaging will be improved. So that's a that's a trajectory that we're on, and that'll all un- unfold this year. And, and and we're looking forward to introducing that into the market. Um, I should reassure people it's not in a bad place at the moment, but we can always look to improve. And so I'm quite excited about that. Um, as far as our wet products go, um, there we are still looking for other solutions. One of the things that we've done is we've, we, again, with an engineer, we've, we've designed some new packaging that we're hoping to be able to bring to market within the next year or so that we'll make available across the industry um, that uh, totally revolutionizes um, how wet product is um, is housed, maintained, and, and recycled, and it will enormously reduce its footprint um, and, it, and make it enormously more environmentally friendly. Wow, fantastic. And then you would hope to see others follow suit. Yeah. I yeah, mean, the idea, real the, trailblazer the, yeah. in, this, in this line, which is fantastic, because once one person does it, then there's no excuse for why everyone can't. Well, that's our hope. That's our hope is that we can be leaders in this field and and set an example yeah. for people. Of course, I mean it's enormously expensive uh, to do what we what we've been doing, buying back our packaging. But it's a decision we've taken as a company that that's where that's that's our stance. Yeah. And largely, it's been driven as I, as as you said in your introduction by the fact that you know I've been out into the wilds, I've seen how we're polluting the environment, and I actually feel that it is immoral for us to continue. Uh, simply delivering products tens of thousands uh, a month uh, into the market space with absolutely no regard as to what's happened to them once the consumers finish using them. So I'd like others to follow suit. What we are starting to see is governments introducing things like a plastic tax. Um, ironically, we're still getting charged the plastic tax even though we're buying back our product, which which sort of sits in the throat a little bit. Um, but, you know, it, it's a, it, it, I think it's a good thing and I hopefully it'll encourage people to move away from single-use plastics to other materials 
materials that are biodegradable and that can be infinitely recycled. So if we think about our own industry, we can think to aluminium, to glass and various other things that actually won't pollute the environment if it lands in the environment, but more importantly, can be easily recycled if it is if it is actually taken back um, by, by the uh, uh, by the person um, to a recycling uh, facility. So in some cases, it may be collected from your home or whatever the case is, but glass and aluminium, are, are, are there is a very positive uh, um, recycling uh, approach uh, that, that will take care of those. Mm -hmm. You know, within this arena, you're not a big player. I mean, you would be quite a small business within this arena and yet doing huge work at great cost to you. And that is really why I wanted you here today, because I think that 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 is integrity and, you know, accountability. And, you know, yes, you sleep better at night knowing that you will hopefully leave this planet having had a good influence on it. But that's what I wanted people to know, that you you can choose who you're buying from and who you support. And I just feel that um, ultimately we will all pay the, the ultimate price if we don't make these right decisions. Um you know, I seen it. I have two daughters, and obviously, following their mom, you know, they're big into skincare and personal care, and they're permanently masking in some respect. But I just noticed since Christmas, uh, their their Christmas list this year was a lot more um, personal care on there. But these, there's so much plastic in the house. You know, I, I see it with their perfume bottles and their bath foams, etc. And, you know, they, they say, Mom, can I get this? And I'm like, I'm not buying more plastic. And I think as parents, that's we need to make those decisions. Like, they love nothing better than running into Primark or Pennies in Ireland with 10 euros. And when they're going, I say to them, don't come back to me with plastic. I don't care what you buy. But there's just so much, like... Um, cleansing tools that are not don't even work aren't effective potentially could upset the stratum corneum but as I say to Grace or Emer who are 14 and 12 this is going to be here long after you long after your children this cleansing tool because you chose today to buy it is going to be still on this planet so I think as well we need to make them think differently about the choices and then us adults also need to think differently and know that you know the choice is there you can seek people like the International Institute for Active Aging out. You can seek those trailblazers out. Well, there's quite a lot there to unpack. So firstly, well done in, in terms of, you know, taking that approach. I think firstly, one of, one of the things that, that is generally a trend in the world is we, we've tended to become hyper-consumers. Mm. And so there's this tendency to consume more and more and more. And one wonders to what extent uh, there will be a backlash against that and people will start to start to revise their buying decisions and actually only consume or purchase what they need rather than this constant need to go out and buy stuff or to gift stuff to people the whole time when our lives are so cluttered with stuff that we don't know where to put it anymore. So there's there's an interesting concept and that's a whole uh, sort of a sociological debate of which I'm probably not at all qualified to discuss. But it's great that you obviously see, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about that you're talking to your kids about it because the, the, this generation, this, you know, or they the next generation that are going to live, unfortunately, with a lot of the consequences of what we've delivered for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's so many people jumping on the bandwagon at the minute um, in our industry uh, pretending to do... Um, good uh, in terms of um, environment um, but unfortunately there's very little substance mm -hmm. around a lot of what the others are doing 
And this is where I've been campaigning, and, and in some respects, I'm quite sure I've made myself quite uh, um, unpopular. But I was, you know, we have every year we have London Fashion Week, and I was invited um, just before London Fashion Week to have London Beauty Week to speak on a panel. And there were two other CEOs on the panel, and they um, they were from uh, uh, a company. But both of them were companies that have over a billion dollar, billion pound, a billion euro turnovers. And you know, the the the, the curator uh, asking the questions and asked them, "What is it that people can do in order to make a difference?" And the first one answered that, "Well, we need to use less product." which goes back to the point we were, just, we were just discussing. And they said, well, if you're going to wash your hair, you know, rinse only once uh, rather than, you know, twice. And then they went to the second person and, uh, and asked the same question. And, and, and she agreed and said, you know, that was a good idea. And then they came to me and I said, you know, unfortunately, the level of destruction that we're seeing means that you're going to need to make much more substantive change than just washing your hair once rather than, you know, rinsing twice um, when you wash it. And um, I was looking out into the sea of bright young faces um, who, who were Instagramming and recording the event. And I said, unfortunately, all of you are looking forward to, you know, a very bright future. But the future is quite bleak if we continue the way we're going. We're consuming more than the earth can, can sustain. And we need to properly change and look at the way things uh, things are being consumed. And and I mentioned the fact that a lot of people sort of jumped on this bandwagon and, and have sort of been been greenwashing it. You and I were, were discussing um, earlier this morning that actually our passion at Double uh, Double or Tracy and my passion goes right back to when we when we were kids. Um, and both of us were at university. Tracy started an organization called Action for Animals, and we were um, in a difficult political environment, uh, very active in trying to get seal culls banned, trying to get uh, circuses banned, trying to get zoos that had inadequate facilities closed down, and so on and so forth. And to a certain extent, Tracy, who was headed up the organization, was very, very successful. But it, it goes down to one's belief in terms of, you know, we're here to share the planet with, with other life, not really to, to conquer it. And I think, I mean, what's really important, just going back to what you said, is that if one can inculcate in one's kids a love and a passion and an understanding, then it's a very, it's a very, very good start. But what's most important is that actually people do something of substance um, and don't just pay lip service to this whole movement to try and improve what it is that we're doing. And just to that point, um, it does worry me because we have um, we have certain certification, as, as, as there always is when, when one wants to try and regulate and clean up an act. And you have... Um, these outside um, sort of um, NGOs, people like, uh, well, you have organizations like B Corp, which will certify your company um, for and, and do an assessment on where you are and where you want to get to and, and give you the certification. And for companies out there that are listening to the podcast and, you know, have no idea where to go or what to do or how they should address this, perhaps that's fine. But the thing that worries me about some of these certifications is that, um, and people wear the badge very proudly because it costs them a lot of money to get, is that they look at the whole ESG nature of the of, of the company. So they look at the social and governance as well as the uh, as the environmental. 
And the problem that we have is that you can earn all your points to become a B, B, B Corp a, a certified company um, with your social and your governance and very little happening in the environmental space. And so you give this impression that you are this great environmental company because that's really what sort of B Corps become synonymous with. But in actual fact, there's very little substance behind that. And I suppose, you know, if I have to sum up the last five minutes or so what we've been talking about, the important thing is that we look at substantive change, meaningful change. Um, you know, stop paying lip service to these things, start doing things that can actually make a difference. And we need the young kids and the old, bigger kids, the older kids like you and I, um, to go out there and challenge people. I was out in a shop just recently. It's a, it's a favorite chocolate supplier of, of mine and Tracy's. We, we've got this um, uh, real passion for dark chocolate. Um, and the thing that struck me is that it's a very, very, very well-known brand. Um, but every single one of their chocolate bars was wrapped in plastic. Now, the interesting thing is, there is a very good and viable alternative to plastic for chocolate bars. So I challenged the staff in, in, in the shop, and the very well-trained salesperson turned around to me and said, yes, we, we have an environmental policy, and, and we plan to you know, be plastic-free by 2030. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't just think, I exclaimed. I mean, I couldn't just stop the words coming out of my mouth. My goodness, as you know, it's a long way off for a problem that has an answer today. And so these are the sorts of things which consumers have to hold companies accountable to. That, you know, start changing now, make substantive change, stop paying lip service and say you're on a journey when actually in reality you're doing very little. And hopefully together we, we, we can address these concerns. Yeah. And hit them where it hurts, you know, profits. Yeah. You know, choose better where you're, you're making your purchases from. Sure, sure. Um, David, I want to ask you, I'm not going to let you go without asking the CEO of IIAA what your skincare and your ingestible skincare um, are. Like, what, what, we'll, we'll go with advanced nutrition program first. Tell me your, what supplements you currently take. Maybe you switch them up like me. I could yeah. be at any particular time taking something different, but tell me what you take. So, okay. It's interesting. I, I start off the day um, uh, when I eat breakfast because I, I think it's very, very important that you must take your supplements with food and you must take your supplements with um, a food, ideally, that contains some fat in it that will help just uh, absorb all the nutrients that you need. So a lot so, of the nutrients are fat-soluble, which would be yeah, why yes, yes, we yes. would need fat. Um, the water-soluble ones are more easily absorbed in any case, but the fat-soluble ones, as you say, it, will need, it helps if you have some fat in your food. So I have mine with a full-fat yogurt in the morning, and um, uh, uh, I start off with a pro-vitality, which is, to me, the all-round most fantastic multivitamin, essentially. Um, and then I would have some probiotics, even though I'm having them with yogurt, have some probiotics together with that. Uh, and then I would take a, a vitamin A supplement with that as well. And then in the evening, um, uh, I, uh, again, I'll have uh, some probiotics and I'll also have um, Amigas, Amigas, and um, I'll um, uh, Skin Acumax. I'll take four Skin Acumax every evening. How many? Four. Yes, okay. Um, My daughter is a huge fan. 
huge fan. Yeah. She's has incredible benefits from taking after Max. So much so that when I'm a celebrity getting me out of here, she wasn't concerned about how she'd be a celebrity and on the program. She was just concerned how she could get her Acumax there. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. David, yeah. thank you so much Super. for today. Um, I learned loads myself and I am now going to be taking Pro Fatality. Don't know why, but it goes over my head. But every time I hear someone speak about it, they rave about it. Um, so yeah, that will be my new one. But thank you for your time. Super. Thank you for, shed, again, being so eager to shed a light on such important topics. Thank you, Karina. Thanks for inviting me. And, 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 and as you say, I mean, it is really important to, show, to, 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 to shine a light on this very important topic. And, and thank you for doing that. My pleasure. <laughs>